Go ahead and be seated, church. I want to um, call to your memory uh, some, some old times, and some of these might be older than your times, and that's okay, but I just want to um, illustrate to you guys a little bit of Christmas in different seasons. And, you know, I know this one, this first one is going to be well before your times, but it sure is a pretty scene. Look at the cars, the different life that it is, was than what ours is now. Everybody lined up to do their, their shopping down where all the stores are. Go on to the next picture. Remember, I don't know if you remember mail, mail rooms being like this, um, but it sure has changed. I, do you remember back when you would send lots and lots and lots of Christmas cards and you'd get lots and lots of Christmas cards back, back in those days? Go on to the next one. Do you remember Cabbage Patch Dolls? See, the, I always listen. I'm like, you can tell who parented in like the 70s and 80s by their response to hearing that and seeing those Christmas lines. I mean, I know that my mom was driving from over on this side over to Miami just to check stores to find Cabbage Patch dolls for her kids. Like, they're, they're, it was just a different time. You didn't get to look at the app. You didn't get next day shipping with Amazon. You were hunting for these things. Um, go, go on to the next one. Uh, this is Nancy Reagan and Mr. T posing for a Christmas picture. Different day, different life. But that one kind of cracked me up that that's, you know, what our um, president's wife was, was doing to help wish people a Merry Christmas. Go on to the next one. Um, this is back in the day where if the husband was sent out to buy something and he forgot what the one thing was that he was supposed to get or the additional thing, you got to find a pay phone and call home. Do you remember those days when you had a question or you needed someone to come pick you up? You had to go find the payphone. It was a, it was a different life. Going to the next one. Um, string tinfoil was once very popular at Christmas time. I don't mean to offend you if you have string tinfoil on your Christmas tree at home, but um, that that was a big thing. And these styles and these hair hairstyles. Some of you guys are reminiscing and being like, I, I remember that. Going to the next one. Um, the, the gifts, the simplicity of the gifts, the dolls, it was all different generation. Go on to the next one. And the, the actual tinfoil tree. I don't know if you guys grew up in houses that had one of those, but that was a thing. Like the, it wasn't just decoration. Like the whole thing was just basically made out of metal. And then I think there's one more. And, and just leave that up there for a minute. I mean, the, the decoration, the colors, and the hair... Some of y'all ladies used to be four inches taller when your hair was done because you had that haircut, and I know it. Um, it it's, I, just, I start here to illustrate the point that, that you can think back in different, different ages of your life, just how different the world was. But whenever you're in that present moment, it just feels like this is how it's always going to be. And, and then you just blink and you look back and you're like, oh, man, the 70s Christmas was a long time ago. That style was a long time ago. Those decorations were a long time ago. And really in this, uh, in this series, I've just, I want to impress upon you the importance of the moment that you are in. That you are in a moment that you should treasure and that you should make the most of and that you should put God at the center of. Because if you don't, this time will be gone and you can't get it back. All right, we're going to um, go into a passage in just a moment 
but I want to give you some of the, the, the verses leading up to it. If you have your Bible and you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. The Apostle Paul's teaching, and he's going through all kinds of, he's listing out all kinds of difficulty that he's walking through. And he, he talks about the, the struggle of what he's feeling and just the fact that he feels like his body is like, he's just enduring difficulty. The verses leading up to the main verse that we're going to study, they say, we don't lose heart, but though the outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension. And he's saying, okay, there's this difficulty, but it's doing something really good in us. And then this is the passage I really want us to focus on today. 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, so... We don't, lo- we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And we're going to work through this passage kind of point by point, but the very first sentence of it, I, I believe it tells us that we need to redirect our focus. We have to redirect our focus. You have a a gaze is the term the passage uses. You have something that you are focused on right now in your life. And we often need to look at what we're focused on and we need to redirect it. And in pastor-like form, I have three things. It'll start with the letter R. The first one, redirect our focus. And you can put the passage back up on the screen. It says, so that we, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Now, this almost sounds foolish, if you just, if you're like, okay, is it just saying we're supposed to just ignore the problems? Like there's things going on, there's issues in the world, there's issues in the house, and it says, so, so we don't look at those things, we just look at the eternal. It's not saying that, but it's dealing with, with the truth that is both a spiritual truth and a psychological truth that your mind can only hold so much. You can really only be focused on so many things at a time. You can only have so many things that you're passionate at a time, and so we need to choose what we set our gaze upon. And I'm going to compare it to this: that you know, if this suitcase is pa- is going to be packed and it's supposed to be representative of our mind, then we have to choose what we put inside of it. And as a Christian, first of all, we want to make sure we're putting the Word of God. This is my cute little travel Bible, where we are putting the Word of God in first and foremost, and that that has a place. And so within our mind, the things that are in the Word of God that we have studied should be present. Like, if we're living our life well, there should be a word from the Lord that we read this day that is present on the tip of our tongue because we just put it in our mind. There's other, other things, you know, I still have a hymnal. They still exist. Don't know if you knew that. Um, there should be songs that are about God that engage your heart into worship that it's like, this has a place in my mind daily. These things have a place in my mind. Um, I want to make sure, there, you know, the evidence of who God is. This is the evidence that it demands a verdict. It's a great book. It's a very thick book. It's not very exciting to read, but it's very meaningful. But there should be evidences of who God is is in your life. Um, the love languages, Gary Chapman, that's a great one, tells you how to, um, to, to understand your love language. There should be professional things like high performance habits that are in your life. There's all kinds of good information, but we want to look at, okay, what is the information that is residing in our mind right now? And is it what we want in here? Because you get to a certain point where we reach the top. And I'm going to use this fancy little computer monitor here to, to demonstrate what I'll say is like my cell phone, 
A cell phone would have fit in here a lot bigger, but it wouldn't have been appropriate because the amount of mental space, all of the stress and anger and anxiety that can flow through our cell phone into our brain, a cell phone wouldn't demonstrate that appropriately. And so for me to try to get this in here with everything else, I'm going to have to choose to take some things out. And in the same way, the Apostle Paul is saying, I need you to set your gaze because if you just focus on the afflictions that you're walking through, if you just focus on the negative things that you're walking through, then you're not going to be seeing what you actually need to see because what will happen to you is if you're living your life allowing anger and resentment and bitterness and wrath to just reside in your mind all the time, that is what is going to flow out onto all of the people who surround you. And so the Apostle Paul is teaching here and he, and he says, look, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. And he's saying there is something of greater importance that, that you can't always see. And, and there is a soul that resides in you. And we look at ourselves and all we see is a body. We, we, we look at our family members or our friends and our neighbors, and we just see the person and we often miss the most important thing about them, which is invisible, that that is a soul. And he's saying, as you are going through life and you're experiencing difficulties, don't just gaze on the things that are difficult, but set your eyes onto the things that matter most. And when Paul says that he's gone through troubles, I mean, there's, there's, in, there's entire chapters that are dedicated to just listing out all of the things that Paul has endured. Some of the things that are in between some of the verses, Paul was known as a, a, a Pharisee among Pharisees, that he grew up following the, the law to the strictest manner. He most likely was married. We don't have exact information on that, but when he started serving Christ, he most likely was, would be disowned from all of his family for his decision. <clears throat> when he came to know Christ, he was in the act of persecuting Christians. He was from a very devout Jewish background. And when he turned to Christ, he would have been cast out by those people. He was betrayed by people who said that they were Christians. He was attacked by mobs of Jewish people. He was wrongly arrested by the Roman government. He knew what difficulty was. And so if anyone had a good excuse to sit down and say, I am going to have an enduring pity party for myself, and I am going to be angry at these other people because they deserve my wrath. If anyone could have said, I have things that it's just, I'm going to be mad about them. I'm going to stay focused on these. If anyone had an excuse, it was him. But he says, no, set your eyes on the things that will matter forever. And within the context of where we are in the season of the year, you're going into Christmas and you are going to have more than enough excuses to lose your temper over the holiday at some point. Things are going to go wrong. Things are going to be difficult. And there are going to be family interactions where you would like to just tell someone what you think. And I want to tell you, look at that person and see the soul that resides in them. Even in the midst of them being difficult, Jesus tried to impress this upon us so much when he was <coughs> telling his followers that whatever you do for the least of these, it's as if you do it for me. 
It's like he knew that people would claim his name and then completely disregard the needs of other people. He knew that people would claim his name and mistreat other people. And so he tried to make it difficult for any Christ follower to treat people that way by saying, whatever you do for the least among you, it's as if you did it to me. When you treat them poorly, it's as if you did it for me, to me. When you bring them food, it's as, as if you did it for me. When they have a need and you meet it, it's as if you did that to them and you did it for me. Like Jesus put his face on that nameless crowd. And so the way that we treat people, it matters extremely. And, and the thing that we often use as an excuse is, well, I was just in a bad mood. Well, let me tell you, one of the reasons why we get stuck in bad moods is we just continue to gaze at the things that make us angry, the things that are difficult, the things that we're upset about, and we become completely blind to the blessings that surround our life. And this is my, my, my call isn't just corrective of saying, don't be a jerk to your family. My, my call is saying, look at your family and look at your house and look at your life and see the blessings instead of the things that are difficult. Because you are blessed. Even through difficulty, even through a diagnosis, there are blessings that are in your life. But if all we ever do is gaze at the things that are troubles, then that's going to change our attitude. That's going to change our family. I will even tell you, it will end up changing your faith if all you ever see are the difficulties instead of all the blessings that your heavenly father has poured down on you. And so we have to redirect our focus. We have to redirect our focus onto the things that matter and the things that will help push us forward. Number two, we need to remember what matters. Uh, you can go back to the passage again. So, so we don't look at our troubles we can see now. We fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. The things that we see now will soon be gone. Uh, I'm going to compare it to this. Uh, the, the temporal nature of our world, of our life. Uh, at Christmas time, we all end up investing, I think, too much time in wrapping paper. I am cheap, and so I hate how much wrapping paper even costs. It's dumb, and then we, we I, I'm, I'm sure at some point in your life you have had a small argument with someone over the right way to wrap a gift with wrapping paper. Like, you, you've done that. You've stayed up late because of wrapping paper. And wrapping paper is a funny thing because though we spend money on it and though we spend time on it, as soon as we start opening presents, it's like we have the garbage bag already ready because we don't want it to touch the floor. We want it to go right into the garbage bag because wrapping paper is temporary. It serves a little purpose to create a surprise, fun moment, but we don't want the wrapping paper, we just want the moment. And we recognize that the wrapping paper is separate from the gift. And my concern is that we are treating people like wrapping paper instead of gifts. We are treating opportunities like wrapping paper instead of gifts. And, and we need to see what is temporary and what is lasting. And the things that are around us in this world, it, they're like wrapping paper. Like they're, they're going to be here and they're going to be gone, but they're going to produce something that is eternal. There's going to be something that flows out of it that lasts forever. 
And it's an interesting dynamic because it's like, though this world will be gone, those, these, these relationships that we have with friends and neighbors, they will change, they will, they will even disappear as people move away and life changes. And so these things are temporary, but they also can produce something that's eternal. Because the moments where you bless a neighbor with nothing in return, but just because you love God, you're like, I'm gonna take care of these people because of who God is to me. That produces something that's eternal. These meals that we share with our family, part of it is temporal, like the food's gonna be here and it's gone. But when you serve your family out of a heart that, that loves God, that matters forever. When, when you hear someone else is hurting, like that's a passing moment in a conversation. Yeah, that's temporal. But if you stop and say, hey, I hear that you're hurting. Can I pray for you? And you, and you lift them up in prayer and, and they re- begin to recognize that God is even with them through that because of the way that you prayed and the way that you took time, that will last forever. Like we need to recognize the things that are gonna be passing and the opportunities that are gonna be passing because when we recognize how temporal all these things are, it changes the way that we treat these moments. Um, this week, there was something that, that popped up in one of my social media memories, and I had to message it to one of my daughters and my wife. Um, you can go to the picture. Um, it, sorry, th- this phone was like 2005, so it's not as clear as it is these days, but it was a good shot for 2005. And this is my Ella, who's turning 16 in like a couple weeks here. And when I saw this picture, it's like, I, I can remember the feeling of that fabric as my hands like went around her little ribs to like pick her up out of the stroller. Like I, I could remember like the feel, I, I can remember the feeling of the pacifier in her mouth and the little pointy cone of her hat as I put her to my chest and like she would just like press her head down into my chest. And I can remember those days of feeling like, man, I wish I could just have both arms free for a minute. And I remember how tired we felt. But I'm like, ah, oh, man, you can't get back to that beautiful moment again. And that is true of that time then, but it's also true of this time now. Right now, you've got people around you in your life and you won't get to rewrite this chapter. And you need to understand how temporary this month and this year is that you get to pour the love of God into them, that you get to pour what you think and how much you care about them into them. You get this moment and you don't get to rewind and do it again if you didn't do it the way that you know that you should. And this isn't to create regret about anything past, but it's to recognize this moment is passing. Make the most of it. This Christmas, you don't get to do it again. Love people well, treat people well, give them grace that they do not deserve. Remember what matters. As as difficult any disagreement in a family can be, remember what matters. Third thing that I want to encourage you from this passage is to remain committed. As the passage ends, it says, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The, the saying is true, You're, you are not a body with a soul, you are a soul with a body. 
I want to make sure you think about that for a minute. You're not a body with a soul. You are a soul with a body. You will endure far beyond the lifespan of this, what 2 Corinthians 5 describes as a tent. That, that we're in this earthly tent, this earth suit, that we will one day remove and not put back on again. Remember what matters. Think about the condition of your soul. I know that I'm talking about dealing with family members with grace, and that can be difficult. You do it best when your soul is healthy. When you remember what matters, it's easiest to remember what matters when you have put God at the center because he enables you to look past the offenses and give grace in the same way that he has dealt with your offenses and given you grace. The more time we spend in his presence, the more grace that we have to give out to other people. And so we need to remember what matters forever. We... Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. Faith is that, that connection between, I can't see that yet, but I know that it's true. I, I can't see that if I honor God in this relationship that it'll work out well for me, but I know that it's true. I can't see all of the glories of heaven yet, but I know that it's true. I can't see the answers that I want, but I know that God is faithful, and so I can have faith that God is going to use this even for his glory. We have to remain, remain committed, but the things we cannot see, they will last forever. You know, time and time again, the Apostle Paul in his letters, he is impressing to the churches that these struggles, these difficulties, these fears, these anxieties, they are just temporary. And we are going to enter into something greater than we ever could have known. Heaven is wider, deeper, and taller, and it stretches beyond time of what we can even begin to fathom. And so when we talk about what is temporal and what is eternal, when we talk about it, we recognize we have to be fully concerned with heaven from a philosophical point of view. But how I'm going to run my day and my week it seems like that doesn't always match up with what we know about putting our treasures in heaven and not on earth. And I just want to give you this reminder as we're entering into this Christmas season, remember what matters most. I love the way that God has orchestrated life because he's, he's told us the way that we treat people, it's as if we treat him. It's part of our worship. The way that we care for our family is part of our worship. The way that we care for our neighbor is part of our worship. Those are all things that we love to do when it's going well. And God says, prioritize these people. And Christmas is a time that we, we love to give gifts. But I think that we've forgotten that the reason we give gifts at Christmas time is because of the greatest gift that was ever given, which is Christ himself. And when I talk about, you know, focusing on the things that matter forever, remaining committed to those things, Christ has to be the central foundation and the motivation for all of the things that we're doing. I want you to have a beautiful Christmas. I want you to have a fun Christmas. I want, I want you to have a great meal at Christmas. I want everything about Christmas to be great. I want everything about your marriage to be healthy and strong. I want everything about your relationship with your kids to be awesome. 
But the thing is, we don't use God to get to those things, but God, when we give him the right place in our life and we set him as an authority, all those things eventually get added in. And if things are difficult right now and there's a healthy part of you that says, well, I need some more God involvement, that is true. But you're not gonna be able to use God temporarily to fix the issues that are in your life. You have to set him as Lord. The greatest gift that was ever given was the fact that God sent his son to die on a cross for you so that you would have an opportunity to say, I recognize that I am sinful and I recognize that I don't deserve the gift of Jesus Christ, but, I, but you gave it to me and I believe and he will be my Lord. But don't ever miss the aspect when you make a decision to follow Christ that you're calling him Lord. You're not calling him an option. You're not calling him an addition. He is not an added flavor, but he is the foundation on which everything else is built. So when we are saying remain committed, I'm saying remain committed to Christ. Band, if you guys will make your way up, I'm going to begin to close this thing out. The things that we cannot see, they will last forever. I think that if you were given even the smallest glimpse of what heaven really is, it would dramatically change the entire way that you lived your life. I think your view of money and I think your view of people and I think the view of your time would shift dramatically. I think about as a kid, it's like, how badly we wanted to know. Like, I think that as children, we were pretty convinced that heaven was wrapped up under the Christmas tree. That like, that like we, we couldn't sleep as children. We couldn't sleep the night before Christmas and we couldn't stay in bed the morning of Christmas because we were just so excited about what was gonna be there. Um, my fourth grade teacher, she, I don't know what she was thinking, uh, but she decided right before Christmas that year, that she was going to tell her fourth grade class, I know a way that you can open up your Christmas gifts and put it back together in a way that your parents will never know. And it worked. I mean, literally, like, it involved a hair blow dryer. Like, it was proficient. And this was before the days of the internet where you could like go and try to look something up as a kid. And so like our eyes were like wide open. And you know, any of us kids who had gifts under the tree when we were like, we were so excited when we were getting home that day, like we were testing the method out because we were excited about what was in the store. And I am, I am not telling you to go cheat and look at your presents that are under your tree. I'm not encouraging you to go and Google that and figure that out. That's not what I'm saying. But we know how excited a kid is at Christmas time to see what's beneath that wrapping paper. Fan into flame the reality that heaven awaits you. Fan into flame the excitement about all that that is going to mean. And fan into flame the short opportunity that we have to share about God's gift of Jesus Christ to our loved ones and to our city. And let's have an excitement about what God has ahead of us.
pray together. And you just, as I pray, pray from your heart to God. But God, if any of us in here today have been living in our life in a way that has been far from you and far from the way that you want us to live, right now we, we recognize that you, Lord, are you, Jesus, are Lord that you died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins and that you rose from the grave to give us new life. And as we declare that you are Lord and we believe it in our heart and confess it with our mouth, you say that we will be saved and invited into the family. And we make that decision recognizing that things will have to change and that you will have to be the foundation on which everything is built. And help us to make this Christmas at home a Christmas where your name is lifted up on high. We thank you for your incredible gift of your son. In Jesus' name, amen.